And good morning. Welcome to the next episode of Supply Chain Next. I'm Richard Donaldson, and I am uh, excited here on our 18th episode to uh, have invited and uh, be speaking with Marsha Williams. Uh, good morning, Marsha. Good morning, Richard. A pleasure to be here. Well, it's a pleasure to have you uh, bright and early here uh, on the West Coast, and, and, and early, I should say dark here, but early on the East Coast. Uh, and you, uh, we find you in upstate New York, but uh, can tell with the accent uh, that uh, you're not originally from New York or the States. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, with, but and, and and so let's you know let's just go ahead and just jump right into it. I think you know you've got uh, you know as as I found uh, in in networking through LinkedIn, like many things, uh, ran across uh, your writings and participation in a couple uh, panels or speaking events or I think you were blogging or something, and uh, immediately um, you know latched on to you being an author, uh, being a podcaster. Uh, having uh, a supply chain practice, a consulting practice that you've been running for the last 10 years. And, you know, as you and I chatted originally um, just a couple days ago, uh, you know, you've got an amazing story as well, too, from your, you know, where you started from and, and kind of how you got here. So so maybe if you don't mind, we can start uh, just the opening just to, you know, about yourself and where 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 you're from and, and, and how you kind of found your way to upstate New York. Yes, of course. And I know that um, it's a good guess, right? That I'm not originally from the US. So I came here to study, to pursue my MBA with concentrations in finance and supply chain. And I did that at Michigan State. So go green. I am a Spartan. And from there, I had different opportunities, like I work for Alcoa, the aluminum company in supply chain, and also for Cummins Engine in supply chain. And then in my consulting practice, I had the opportunity to, to work with small, medium-sized, and also large companies like Cody in beauty, Lind Chocolate and also U.S. non-wovens that we see their products in the stores. So I have been in different states, like Michigan, Indiana, South Carolina, and New York. Wow. And, 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 but, and you're originally from Uruguay, correct? Yes, yes. That is a tiny country in South America. It's like it borders Argentina and Brazil. Okay. And, and uh, you know, just so fascinated with, you know, coming from, you know, Uruguay and then it falling into supply chain because you certainly worked for some very reputable companies and large companies. And so did you make the jump from Uruguay to Michigan State and then found yourself in supply chain? Or what was what what precipitated the move to Michigan, you know, to go to your pursue graduate studies? And then how did you find yourself kind of getting into supply chain? Yes, and um, well, my bachelor's degree is in accounting. So at that moment, even before starting my MBA, I was doing accounting work. I was preparing the financial statements, and I enjoyed that activity. But then I wanted to be more like where the action takes place. I wanted to be able to make decisions and, and see and generate the value that then I will see 
in the financial statement. So that's why I started looking into a different area that I can also use my finance background. And I started doing that research and I find out about supply chain. And when I did this, that it was mm, 2002, at that moment, supply chain was like a new field. Hmm. So nobody exactly knew what it was. (laughs) But, and then I read about Michigan State that they have a very strong program and I applied. <laughs> and and, a very, and just to jump in on that, Marcia, so because because we know we know some of the strong programs. So Michigan State's one of the strongest supply chain programs uh, in the country. And who who again who runs that program? Because uh, that's someone who I think is also a pretty frequent um, participant in a lot of the supply chain conversations today. Yes, the program now is run by Dr. Claus. Mm-hmm. So he he has been doing research work and also working with many companies. And at the moment that I attended school, I had him in logistics. So gotcha. he was teaching that. And he, he even started doing that at that moment was something completely new. He was doing simulations. Okay. So he was also with the with the software applications. Huh. So very ahead of the curve, and and um, starting to actually kind of broaden early on in the early two thousands when you started your program, because at that time supply chain and logistics oftentimes were you know interchangeable terms, even though they're not the same thing. Many people mistook logistics for supply chain, and a lot of programs were called logistics programs. Is that true as well uh, when you were kind of starting? Yes, yes, indeed, Dr. Kloss, I remember in one of his classes, he mentioned that, he says, many people, they talk about supply chain, but they don't know what it is. Right. And still now, when we talk, we need to be mindful of that, because there are some, there's one concept that considers, like end-to-end supply chain, right? procurement, operations, logistics, warehousing. Mm-hmm. And sometimes there are a, a other concepts that it has more limitations or is more restricted that refers to logistics, as you mm-hmm. were saying, right. to move the goods, the products. Right. And, 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 and so as, as you got into it, and this is also part of it, so at that time, so again, we're in about 2002, 2003, Mm-hmm. Um, you're just coming out of, you know, kind of finance, which is very normal, you know, for a lot of people. And, and I think this is also instructive for, you know, for a lot of people who are thinking about getting into supply chain right now, especially right now. Um, mm-hmm. Even though you did it, you know, 18 years ago, there's a lot of similarities with how you got in and how you began to kind of flourish within supply chain by starting with a more, um, you know, general business kind of uh, uh, overview through finance, right? So finance is a great foundation to then build or grow into supply chain. Can you talk a little bit about that, how you used your core business skills through finance and then built that into supply chain to get where you are, you know, through your programs to where you are now, how that helped you? Yes, and that, that's a great question. I, I use finance to show the value because what happens is that to get a project accomplished or a transformation, 
we need the help of others, right? So it's not just Absolutely. supply chain. Yep. So the way to show is to show the value. And when I mean by value is to show that increase in profit. So that's what I always show. Because if not, there will be some barriers when you talk to finance, for example, if they don't see that value or what you are suggesting on the PL. Yep. And in my experience, I'm going to give you a, an example that it was very controversial. Right. And this was with a large business. We had an agreement with a supplier that we were going to share savings. So 50% the supplier will get and the company will get the other 50%. Mm -hmm. But we didn't define the savings clearly. Right. And in some cases, the supplier considers savings what we refer to cost avoidance. Mm -hmm. So cost avoidance like new products. Yep that we don't have the historic cost. So at the end, we were paying that supplier, the company was paying that supplier for cost avoidance. Mm -hmm. And that is when everything started, right? The finance was asking or questioning why we were having that agreement because they were looking at the financial statements at the PNL and they they didn't see a reduction in the cost. Right. So th those areas is what I use to um, to go ahead and continue the project because I think we need to be clear on what we are looking for and the impact. We need to be able to measure the impact. So I do like a combination. My yes. background in finance and Six Sigma. So let's start like, what is the baseline? Let's agree on how we are measuring the baseline. Then we work on improvements and we quantify again. So we need to make sure that the actions have the intended impact. We can mm -hmm. see that on the numbers. And you're blending a couple things in there very seamlessly, which is great because I think this is also uh, uh, wonderfully illustrative for, you know, skills or foundation uh, concepts for anybody that's thinking about getting in the supply chain, right? So, you know, the language of business, uh, you know, it has been for time is truly finance and accounting, right? I mean, that is the underpinning language of all businesses, right? So P&Ls and, you know, all of our profits and loss balance sheets. Uh, cash flow statements, you know, and, and you'll have to express, and again, at the end of the day, a business is generally, if it's, you know, for profit, trying to make money. And so understanding how that works financially is a great attribute to then allow you to become a strong uh, executive or leader in, you know, even marketing or sales, or in this case, supply chain, right? So great, great, great foundation skills. And then as you kind of, you know, you also mentioned Six Sigma in there, which is a, you know, a very traditional, you know, you kind of got the lean Six Sigma kind of thinking coming out of, uh, um, you know, IBM and whatever, um, to also be very foundational skills in, you know, how to approach, um, you know, kind of um, um, how do you, a methodology or framework with which to find efficiencies in your business 
you know, it's also a common, you know, and then Six Sigma can, is more post, I find it to be postgraduate. It's not often in the schools that you get that. Um, but again, a great skill set to then be the foundation for supply chain and how you grew. So coming out of school, coming with those skill sets, you then got into, um, you know, your first, your first uh, uh, job at Alcoa and then into Cummins. You know, it looks as if you were kind of mostly in the sourcing side of the equation um, through those two, two, two jobs. How did those, how did you evolve? Because you definitely grew in those, those programs to where you wanted to kind of branch out into more broader supply chain. How did that evolution happen? Yes, I, as you are saying, Richard, exactly. I started doing procurement. Uh -huh. That was my, my area in, at Alcoa and also at Cummins. But then at the moment that I joined Cummins, there were many projects, major projects, like to implement Procure to Pay okay. with uh, Arriba Bayer uh, at that moment. And also there were other initiatives like to start using more technology, and I have um, had the opportunity to participate in projects that were touching practically all the functions, mm. like stores, indirect stores, logistics. So I started working on projects that cover like all the supply chain. It mm. extends to procurement. Mm -hmm. and. To, in my view, procurement is an area that relates to all of them, mm -hmm. to, to the rest of the uh, supply chain. So I started doing some projects that then the scope got uh, larger. Gotcha. And it, it was at that time I, I had um, the, the fortune to participate in those, like in all those transformations. Mm -hmm. So then I work with different functions like IT, marketing, then legal, very related uh, to what I was doing. So that, that made me grow mm -hmm. into supply chain to, to be able to see that is end-to-end -end supply chain. The relationship with the other functions is, is something that I really enjoy because since we were talking before about the value that the supply right. chain can bring, I mentioned an example about, about cost reduction, but also can bring value with new products, right? And in mm -hmm. that way, it will also increase profitability. And that side is more related to marketing. That is a, an area that I, I have been working in my consulting business. Mm -hmm. Well, let's, 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 and I think that's an incredible segue because even though you have lived and breathed it, right, I want to kind of pull out a little bit what you kind of flew over there, which is an incredible, uh, incredible insight around the spectrum of supply chain, right? Um, because I think you also, much like the industry itself, or even supply chain, you know, uh, practitioners themselves, are kind of going through a, a very similar journey, right? Supply chain oftentimes is just seen, um, you know, uh, synonymously as logistics, which we know it's not, it's just a piece of it. And then supply chain often, if we go deeper, uh, oftentimes is only seen as the procurement function. And more specifically, is only looked at for cost reductions, 
versus the totality of what they can bring to profitability, margin improvements, um, customer satisfaction, you know, it really affects the whole business. But to get there, it's almost like you got to kind of go through something that you've similarly gone through, right? So the question that I'm getting to is, you know, now that you've kind of come through this progression from finance, then getting into supply chain initially, uh, cutting your teeth in procurement, getting exposed to the fullness of supply chain end to end, the ability to buy, manage and sell assets, right? The effect the supply chain organization has on the full company from its you know, a business within a business. I'm sort of stealing from Dr. John Gatorna there a little bit. Um, that's led you now to, you know, really look at the full scope of supply chain and build a consulting practice to address that, which is unique and robust because it's, you know, this is, these are the same questions everyone else seems to be going through right now. So in your journey to where you are today, how have you then come out of your, you know, I'll call it corporate uh, life that was procurement and then built a consulting practice that that addresses the full scope of supply chain and how do you talk to how do you talk to your end users about that because that's a really important conversation to also because they probably come to you with oh can you help me with procurement or help me with cost reduction and then you get a chance to go in and say well here's all the supply chain opportunities we can do from digitization to you know uh, disposition improvements to warehouse management to asset lifecycle how does that happen right because i think that's really i think it's really uh, uh, again what a lot of people listening to this might be going through already right now, you know, in that, in that kind of journey. Yes. When I started talking, right, in my practice, I get different requests. And as, as you, you were saying, in some cases I get just, I want to have a lower cost. Uh-huh. And then they show me, can you see, I, I always remember a, a customer that I have had over, yes, almost five years. And when I started, he, he showed me a cup, a plastic cup, and he told me, do you see this cup? And I yeah. said, yes, well, I want the same cup. Don't change anything at a lower price. Gotcha. So he was very specific. But not in all the cases I, I get that. And also, sometimes I get a request that I think actually refers to something else. Mm-hmm. So what I do initially when I start conversations with a company, I, I try to assess where they are. Because right. if I go and I start saying, okay, you need to have an application that gives you full visibility in your supply chain. So in that way, you know, when you place an order, how much inventory is coming by when, and then you can see when that inventory will get to the, to the production uh, plant. Mm-hmm. So then you can manufacture. And that sometimes is confusing because if they are in a stage Mm-hmm. that they, they are not placing many purchase orders, for example, it doesn't make sense to start making some suggestions about all of the, the technology available. Right. So what I do, I, I start with some, I, I start like looking into each of the areas. Mm-hmm. And in that way, I see how they are doing and I can make some suggestions. My initial suggestions 
are going to be related to processes and to data. Okay. Because without having those, right, it doesn't make any sense to add technology because you will get results that are not accurate and then everyone's confidence will fail. Mm -hmm. So we, we don't want that. So my initial conversation is to start to understand how they, they are doing the, the different functions and I start like with the, the different cycles, right? Mm -hmm. Like cash to cash to, to use a, an example again coming from, from finance background. Yep. And, and then I start to analyze that. After I do that initial assessment, I we need to evaluate the priorities and mm -hmm. start focusing on two or three priorities. Mm -hmm. And then I said, as expected, <laughs> or no surprise, I will put some metrics mm -hmm. so I can measure the baseline. So that is how I, I approach, because as you were saying, Richard, the, in, in many cases, they are not coming, these requests are not coming from supply chain people. Right. They right. may be coming from a CEO that he has a company that is growing right. and growing, growing. And, and he may be looking, he or she may be looking into acquiring new businesses. Right. So that is going to be more complex. And they have been doing a good job. It's just that sometimes marketing goes ahead. Yeah. And then operations need to. To, to follow and right. sometimes there are issues right issues with capacity well you know all, all of those issues so to me i i have seen like many like much research on how businesses can scale from the marketing standpoint but not so much like to help them to do in a systematic way or a systematic approach, how to do the same with their operations. Because if operations cannot meet what marketing is selling, marketing and sales are selling, they, they, the profit, yeah, exactly. Right, right, it falls apart. I mean, you can't, uh, you can't uh, have the, uh, the tail kind of wagging the dog to some extent in this case. Um, yes, right? yes. And, and oftentimes that that happens. So let me, I mean, there's so many things in there that, that, you, that you're talking about that are so fundamental to what's going on in supply chain today. And I think, again, uh, I want to pick a few things in there. And one is one of which is, you know, bringing the framework to supply chain, right? Bringing the framework of assessment, uh, mm -hmm. baselining, um, you know, creating and identifying uh, KPIs for measurement, for improvement, you know, all, and then also importantly, because you flew over it, focusing in on uh, technology and data as the mm -hmm. underpinnings to that, right? Mm -hmm. And the ability to do that, because uh, you can't do that without those things in place. Yes. And then I'm digging a little bit deeper, which is you've also been exposed through your career, which is an interesting parallel, by the way. So there's, there's a question coming here, um, which is, you first started at an enterprise building on what I would consider at the time to be the only supply chain tool, which was SAP and Ariba, right? Mm -hmm. if, which, and I'm going to be a little bit biased here in my question. I'm not sure they're, they are supply chain tools as much as they are financial tools. 
So my question is, in kind of, you know, knowing that, being exposed to that over the last 20 years, how have you seen the technology change or evolve from just being kind of SAP heavy to where we are today? Like, like that, that's one of the most exciting areas. Obviously, I'm a bit biased here, but it's one of the most exciting areas is the explosion of technology options and innovation that's happening, certainly in the last five years uh, around supply chain technologies. Um, which is, you know, because people are begrudging. It's, it's almost like SAP, you know, is the backbone for all financial uh, organizations in the in the Fortune 2000s. It's not the most beloved platform or even mm-hmm. product, <laughs> to say the least, yes, right? Yes, I, I know. It's, and, it's and so this is, I'm not, I'm not trying to, because I also know Tom Rafferty, who's over at SAP, mm-hmm. runs strategy, he has an incredible blog, there's some incredible people at SAP, and it is the gold standard, let's be honest, it's the gold standard. But it is, you know, it's trying to catch up a little bit, it's going through that evolution now, you know, can it, can it maintain its pole position um, you know, which a lot of companies have not been able to make the transition, you know, from sort of older kind of thinking to sort of the newer dynamic cloud-based, whatever. So mm-hmm. inherent, the question that I'm getting to is how have you seen kind of the evolution of the technology kind of being built around SAP and Ariba and your experiences there and, you know, good, the good, the bad, and kind of, you know, bring us to where we are today. Cause it probably aligns with your consulting framework because you go in and you, you start talking about data, which means there's gotta be technology. Yes. So, you know, to, to talk about that, talk about how you've seen the technology evolve through your direct experiences with SAP to what you're seeing today that's coming out. Yes, of course. And um, well, as I was mentioning, when I talked to the companies, I assess where they are. So in general, when they start, if they don't have already, they will need to scale, they will need an ERP. And that is when we were talking about SAP, right? So that is like the, a big transformation. But of course, that is more related to finance and accounting than to supply chain. So sometimes, or I would say oftentimes, is uh, there's a, some confusion there. And can I jump I, in? Can I jump in for yes. one quick second? Sorry, sorry, because this is supposed to be diamond. You're, and again, I think you're 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 such an expert and so wrapped around everything. Sometimes you know you may fly over something, but you said something very important in there, which is: Are you talking in your current state as a consultant? Are you actually finding today that the companies that you might be advising are even at the very beginning stages of assessing technologies, and therefore? They're just starting to look at something like SAP. They, they might not even know the full spectrum of technologies that exist out there because most companies you run into today don't even have anything that's, that's a financial system or ERP system or it's, you know, it's so old that they need to even think about just starting there. Yes. Yes. It depends wow. on the organization. Right. When I, I have different customers, right? There are some that are smaller and the others that are large in CPG. So that's why they have different needs. The ones that they start, as you are saying, they don't don't have an ERP. They have an accounting system that, Mm -hmm. let's say, QuickBooks. QuickBooks is not an ERP. Yep. So that is like the big, it's it's a big step to move uh, to move away from QuickBooks to start using an ERP. 
Which is almost, by the way, just again to sorry to jump in, but you make me make me also want to point out here that that's sort of the normal evolution of business, right? Mm-hmm. As it as it grows, right? I mean, I can tell you yes. from experience, even here at Request, we're a small company and we use QuickBooks, right? But we're even now growing and scaling and evolving so that we're starting to even think as just as a pure business to you know go to the next level, right? Which is now looking at something like a you know an, an NSAP, a Great Plains, or some other things out there. Um, so that's a very normal evolution that everyone goes through. And specific in that though, uh, around supply chain is that you know you got to start with is you're putting an ERP system. So I'm going to ask you a little bit of a controversial question here: is 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 the ERP system of SAP, which is the, you know that's almost synonymous, right? Like people think SAP and ERP, but as you said there uh, subtly. SAP and Ariba is more of a financial system, right? So is it really an ERP system or should we be thinking about ERP differently? Your question is exactly on the spot because what happened is that there's some confusion and when companies start thinking about implementing an ERP or SAP, they talk about requirements, many about simulations, and ERPs are not good for that. So they are, as you are saying, based on finance. So you can have all the transactions there and in real time, but not they are not great for supply chain. And that is, so if we move like one more step, let's say other companies that are already using an ERP system or SAP Ariba, right? That when they use SAP Ariba, they also have the procure to pay, they have that also digital. In that case, they will be looking for other tools that can give them visibility in all the supply chain to do the planning. So these companies are more interested in knowing for in knowing the impact that a change will have in the supply chain. A late delivery from a supplier, how that is going to impact my shipment to the customer. Mm-hmm. And those systems are in a more advanced stage because it goes, they go beyond your company. So it's going to link suppliers and customers. It goes all the way. So that's why they are more advanced. And I have seen these uh, companies when they look for these systems, they are in CPG because the demand, the customer demand is so dynamic. So they need to have, or at least they need to make the attempt to make better forecasts to do demand sensing and, and have all the, the, the different uh, planning tools in one system that can provide the visibility throughout all the supply chain. So that is more advanced. And they use, of course, they use um, artificial intelligence, right? Because the idea with the systems is that it will tell you the impact, but also it will trigger, it will show you when you need to take action. Mm-hmm. So they are more robust than an ERP that is limited to the company itself and the core is finance. 
right. in these other systems goes beyond your own company and also the focus is on supply chain. Right, right. So that's, again, fabulous explanation and I think also very instructive because not only have you lived and breathed what a lot of supply chain professionals are going through just in their evolution or new supply chain professionals, right, from a career standpoint, but then also your consulting has naturally led you to kind of the technology <coughs> foundation um, that companies you know, currently, like today, uh, coming out of COVID, you know, need to start assessing, uh, and that requires a baseline that require and your framework that you described so great, right? Because you you need to have a baseline, so you have to. And, and by the way, we we even say the same thing, right? I tell my same same conversations with people, like you got to start here uh -huh. before you even begin to start thinking about technology and everything else. You got a baseline what your current uh, uh, supply chain organization does to start from, you know, buying to managing to selling. You've got to kind of be able to see that. Then from there, you begin to architect um, solutions, right? Um, you know, where I need to go put technology and therefore, and then, you know, put out the requirements. And then you can start the selection process. And by the way, in the selection process today, it's a wholly different world as far as technology mm -hmm. and innovation and supply chain than it was 5, 10, 20 years ago. So in that sense, I'm kind of bringing it forward now, you know, Today, when you're looking out there across the spectrum of technologies, both existing and new, you know, what's your assessment of what's happening in supply chain technology today? Because you're, you're in the middle of it. You're talking to customers about this all the time, and you must be seeing a massive amount of change. What's your impression of what's going on in innovation and technology and supply chain today in conjunction with what exists, which is really, at the end of the day, SAP or maybe Oracle at best? Like, how is that world changing now? Yes, it has been changing very fast. Right. In particular, after, well, after, during these times, right, with COVID, yep. that made a, a great impact because if before companies were thinking about this, now they are taking action. Mm -hmm. And the, the only way is like to use data and to use it right with uh, technology. Right. And I, I have seen now because Initially, uh, and as you, you were saying, uh, you, you talk about requirements. And that is such an important piece to me. I always ask, uh, I always ask the, the teams at the companies to think, to distinguish between the must-haves and nice-to-haves. Because it is fundamental to select the right application. There are so many today. Mm -hmm. So many that by, by the, the variety in the market may cause confusion because I have seen that they don't know where to invest <laughs> or which one to select. Right. So that's when we need to come back to the requirement and see must have and nice to have. So mm -hmm. the must have, okay, that is all of them, the one that we are going to consider should meet those requirements. Mm -hmm. and then see the additional functionalities that they offer. Mm -hmm. Analyze those gaps, because today there are so many applications that you don't need, you, you can have like one, one or two core systems because with the ERP and the other systems that we talk integrated business planning for integrated business planning, of course we will have them together talking mm -hmm. to each other mm -hmm. 
But we can also, when there are some gaps between the requirements and what the systems are offering, we can see how we cover that gap. It can be a different application. In my time, when I started, <laughs> like years ago, and, and that's how everything has been evolving, nobody thought about having, for example, a procure-to-pay solution without having an ERP. Right. Now I see companies that have the procure-to-pay solution without having an ERP. Right. So we need to think the impact, right? And, and we come back maybe to the beginning, <laughs> where we talk about quantifying the impact of what we are going to do. Right. That, that I, I think we need to have that, that vision to, and to be able to focus because there are many, many applications and the way to, to understand which one is best for our case is to define clearly the requirement, as, as you were saying, Richard. Well, and, and, and I'm going to pick up on that one because, again, it's like we're completing each other's sentences here. Um, one of the things that you just said is that um, in another way, uh, I'll use slightly different words, is <clears throat> first, you know, you, you step one, you have to baseline where you are today with everything. Step two is then, you know, assess the uh, technology or manual processes you have in place through your whole supply chain. And it's the whole supply chain, meaning from the moment the supply chain team is engaged to go source something through the life cycle management, which is usually the asset life cycle team within supply chain, mm -hmm. to the disposition or removal of the asset, which is also within supply chain, the disposition team. So buy, manage, and sell, right? You got to think of the whole supply chain, right? Not just one piece of it, like you're saying source to pay. And then third is when you start thinking about technologies, because historically, it's only really been source to pay solutions to some extent. So your Coupas, your Arebas, your mm -hmm. uh, trade shifts, your yes. uh, Scout RFPs, you know, the, the Gardner Magic Quadrant. But that's just one piece. It leaves out the management and the selling of the assets. So the advice in step three is open up your aperture, open up your vision to the opportunity that there are actually supply chain, uh, true supply chain technologies and, 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 and platforms that are emerging today where they weren't, they didn't exist five, 10 years ago, right? Um, yeah. There are, there's so much innovation happening right now that where you, his, you know, you kind of the knee jerk reaction is like, oh, I need a supply chain tool. I'm going to go to SAP. Well, take a pause for a second. And let's look at all of the options that are out there today, because there's a lot of them and they're more and more coming. So is that, I mean, is that also kind of what you're seeing as well too, right? And just the spectrum, because it's, you know, it's like you can't keep up today with the amount of startups uh, that are happening in mm -hmm. supply chain right now. Exactly. It's, it, it's very confusing. If you look yeah. at the option first, you need to look at the, your company first right. and see what, what you can work on, what you can focus on to get to, like, to grow, right? That is what the companies look for, to grow, to meet the customers' expectations. That, that is how supply chain needs to be built. Yep. The customer is the one that dictated the requirement and we will build a supply chain based on that. Correct, correct. Let me, so, let me, yes, let me, exactly. I'm going to shift Marsha a little bit forward because I, I, I also want to be, because this, like, like these things always happen. 
Um, I, I think we could spend uh, multiple hours on here talking about all sorts of stuff. So I want to, because there's so many things I want to get to. So let me, let me jump, jump a little bit forward and also talk about, because you also uh, just recently in the beginning of this year, uh, authored a book that's on Amazon. Um, talk to, talk to me a little bit about that. You know, what was the book about? And I know it's supply chain, obviously, but, uh, that's an exciting project to get that out there. How did, how'd you like writing it? And, 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 you know, what, what, what tell people what, what's going on with that book? Yes, yes, thank you. Thank you for the question. And yes, this book, of course, yes, is about supply chain and it's about supply chain transformation. Mm -hmm. So in the book, I start covering ERP implementation, SNOP. Right. And also I do the last part is a source to pay. Right. So I do it in a way that is a story. So it takes place in a medium-sized business that they wanted to continue growing. They mm -hmm. wanted to continue growing their operations. Mm -hmm. So that is how I started the book. And actually, the first chapter, I show what I actually show to the customers. Right. That is... In, in, in a simple way, how an action that we can take in supply chain will have an effect on the financial statement. Mm -hmm. So that is how the story starts. And then I go through the different transformations that take place in this company. Mm -hmm. And in the book, I have technical aspects, like I explain about Six Sigma, how to follow that process. Mm -hmm. I, I talk about metrics. Well, actually, I should say I write about the metrics. Right, right, right. <laughs> and, and also, I cover um, change management, okay. like the soft aspect of the, the implementations, okay. because um, Technical aspects are important, but we also need to consider the soft aspect, right? We need to have the stakeholders on board. Mm -hmm. So I mentioned some tools that I have applied after making mistakes, of course, yeah, right, right. that I think they are helpful. So it's a story is readable <laughs> and gives you like an overview of what you can expect when you are going going through these transformations in supply chain. Well, I was going to say the um, although I didn't have a chance to get through the whole thing, um, you know, I started in on a, a sort of the first chapter, and what struck me immediately is the style with which you wrote. I'm going to ask this question. I kind of felt like it was an, you might have been inspired by uh, the book The Goal, right? Of course, the famous book The Goal by Eli Goldrod or whatever, and then um, the Phoenix Project or the Unicorn Project uh, by Gene Kim. I don't know if you've read those, where they kind of take more of a uh, a story narrative about a company to make it a real kind of feeling use case uh, in in describing what they're building. Was that did did that have any influence in in, in how you approach writing this? Yes, and I like that style yeah. because I think it helps to see what you can get. I, it's more real. I, yeah, and I don't like to explain with like right. complex that then you don't see that in practice. Right. I always like to, to take it that the readers mm, take something to apply yep. on, on their business. 
that that was my my intent and that's why i did it in that way and also at the end of each chapter i included key points because i know that sometimes i do it too sometimes i skip and i just want to get the key point well (laughs) i have both yeah to, to 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 that though and i think again this is like you know i think there's a there's there are psychologically very common themes in the supply chain world um, and one of those is practicality and realism, right? Um, mm. This group of people likes to get stuff done because that's kind of their jobs, right? They're not salespeople. They're not marketing people. They're not even finance people by definition. They're very practical, no nonsense, cut to the chase. Tell me what I need to know, right? I don't need a lot of fluff. Um, and, and they love real application, mm. you know, not, not just abstract academic stuff. How do I really do what I need to do? So that's, I mean, I, that, that's fabulous. Well, I mean, first of all, so, you know, it's, it, it, I'm just into it, but you know, it's a great book. It's a very timely book, you know, and it sounds like it encapsulates a lot of the things as have kind of progressed through your career. So let me, in kind of the last few minutes here, and, and I'm going to probably invite you back because there's a whole nother episode I think we can get into and some of the stuff that you're doing, but let's, let's talk a little bit now about, uh, you know, it's t- you know, kind of top of mind. We're coming out of COVID. Uh, we're looking into 2021. Um, no, let's talk a little bit about what you're seeing, uh, not only with your own current consulting, um, you know, practice at USM Supply Chain, but then also, uh, you know, what you're seeing kind of moving into out of COVID. What What are some of the things that you're, you know, working with clients on or yourself observing or writing about? Yes, that, that, that's a, a great question. I really like that topic because mm-hmm. we are living this every day. Yeah. <clears throat> I would say that one of the key differences is how the supply chain function is perceived yes. in the organization, right? Now it's not only cost and reduction, cost savings, it is also about an increase in revenues, right? Because exactly. it is more than that. So it's the top line and bottom line. So that is the new supply chain. So I see a big change there. Another point that I think COVID has shown very clearly is that we need to work on building relationship with the suppliers. So before we had, we never thought about this. We had many companies for certain products and we never thought that the suppliers actually cannot provide all the products that we needed. Right. So to build a relationship is extremely important because now it's not a customer market. Right. The suppliers select the companies that they are going to sell. So if we don't have a established relationship, they are not going to select our company. That's why it's, it's very important. And in the past, many companies, they, they didn't work on that. Contract management, or mm-hmm. the, the, that building relationship with the suppliers wasn't considered very important. And now, right. to me, we, we see that. If we already have those relationships, we leverage the relationship and we get the products that now that we are fighting to get. Let let me double click on that one because you're bringing up an interesting one. And and this is a consistent theme. Relationships 
you know, are key to business. They always have been, right? But what does it mean to have a digital relationship with your supplier versus a physical relationship with your supplier? How do you do both? Before, even before COVID, I think if we want to grow, we, we need to learn to yep. work with a supplier that is not in the same room that we are. Mm -hmm. And that way, even before that, I even wrote a, an article for Forbes yep. in, about working remotely. Mm -hmm. Because with these suppliers in, that they are, they are far away from us, many companies buy from China, India, and, mm -hmm. and many other countries, the way that we, we can develop the relationship as well. Of course, it's going to imply more effort on our part because of the time difference, right? And we also need to be mindful of the cultural differences, but we can develop a relationship with them even if we cannot have meetings. We need to find a way, and I think we are doing that, to establish and to build a relationship even if we cannot be even if we cannot have meetings like before, right. it's very common like to, to have suppliers coming, so we, we get to know them, we, they can see how everything is being done, but I think we need to be able to develop those relationships. And I have many examples that I have never met the suppliers in person. Right. And they are working well. It's, it's, um, first, we, we need to have that intention, right? And we know that if they are, for example, in China, and now we are not going to see them. We are not going to meet with them. Mm -hmm. But we can have tools like Zoom, right? Yep. And, and have those uh, meetings. I think it's important to talk. We just, um, even though, of course, many can be done with the digital tools. I'm thinking, for example, to do a request for proposal. We mm -hmm. do it online, right? Mm -hmm. Everything like that online. We send orders online. But we still need to have some instances that we talk to the supplier. And that can be through Zoom. Yeah. And we have that on our phones. Mm -hmm. So to me, it's very important to have that relationship and something that helps is to have metrics, again with metrics. But in that way, they know what we can expect. Yes. So, and we have a, something that we measure against. Yes. So they know we are doing well, we, we are not doing so well. That is what we can work. In my experience, it's very important, for example, to be responsive. Yes. I know that I stay late at night or I start very early and, and I reply the emails. But I think it's, it's important it's, it's to show that uh, we care about this and that uh, can bring you excellent results. Well, I think you said the word, so I'm going to sort of wrap or begin to wrap up here. But um, as you said, mindful, it jogged me to go back and look at, you know, the, the acronym USM Supply Chain Consulting, which is unstoppable, scalable and mindful. Right. Um, that those are, I think, three great words to describe supply chain. And of course, that's your consulting practice. Um, <laughs> you've got a great idea around it. Um, but, you know, the supply chains can become unstoppable and supply chains have to become scalable. 
And, and more to point, what you just said multiple times is they have to be mindful of not only themselves internally, but themselves externally with who they work with and how they work with them. Um, and I think it's a fabulous way to describe it. So, um, you know, any, any closing thoughts on just that or kind of where you're going? Because, uh, um, like I said, we, could, we, we came up on an hour without even thinking about it. I, I'm looking at the clock and I'm realizing an hour just elapsed. <laughs> I didn't even know what happened. So, so you know, any just parting thoughts on your end? Because it's just such a fabulous conversation. We could keep going forever. But any, any concluding thoughts? I, I think um, we need to take this time as an opportunity. Yeah. Because as I have mentioned before, I think 2020 is supply chains year. It's yeah. all about supply chain. Yeah. So this is, we need to take it as an opportunity, do those assessments and how we, we can do better. Yeah. Because I think these are very unique times, but we need to see them also as, as an opportunity. Well, I couldn't agree more. And I couldn't think of a better person, you know, to get some visibility for not only the work you're doing, but then how you're thinking about approaching this stuff, because it's really practical, it's real, um, and, and you've got direct world experience that, you know, uh, not only have you earned, you know, kind of thought leadership status, but also just, uh, you know, the way you're approaching it, right? I think it's going to be your framework is is becoming, you know, common because people are realizing that's the way to go about it. So, you know, as an author, as a consultant, you know, as a, as a speaker, as a podcaster, all of these things that you have, you know, at USM Supply Chain Consulting, people can check that out or find you on LinkedIn. I'm sure you're open to LinkedIn requests. Um, but this has just been fabulous. Thank you so much for chatting. And I'm going to have you back again because there's a lot more I want to talk about, too. I, of course, Richard, it was my pleasure. Thank you so much for inviting me. I, I really appreciate it. I, I enjoy our conversation.